We started with the usual get-to-know-you questions. Where'd you grow up? Tell me about your family. What do you like to do for fun? What do you do for a living? Now, I always hope that question will come later in the conversation because I know things can turn really awkward really fast. And they did. When I said I'm a pastor, this poor unsuspecting soul just about spit up her coffee. And then, she said, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't expect that. And in a bit of seeming panic, she then blurted out, I like Jesus. <laughs> I said, great, me too, as nonchalantly as I could, and then tried to continue on with the conversation. But it was less than 10 minutes later that she realized there was someplace else she needed to be. I imagine there have been moments in your life when you've had that type of experience when a person realized for the very first time that you're a serious disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. You've seen the stunned look, you've heard the awkward response, you've witnessed the quick exit. And in that moment, it can make you question, should this Jesus thing, this faith in Jesus be more of a, a private matter, can it? But then you come back to the final words of Jesus to his disciples in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. He says, go make disciples. And in that moment, you realize, no, faith in Jesus can't be private. It has to be public. Because Jesus has entrusted us with his responsibility to help people move from non-belief or unbelief to disinterest. From disinterest to like Jesus. From liking Jesus to being committed to Jesus and from being committed to Jesus to being fully formed in Jesus Christ. Now, how do you do that? Well, the good news this morning is really it's the Holy Spirit is the one who's doing the heavy lifting. It's the Spirit that's preparing and shaping hearts to receive Christ. But he invites us to partner with him in this exciting work. And it's our part of this process that we're really focusing in on in this sermon series entitled The Game Plan. And one part of this process is to invite people into environments where they might experience or encounter Jesus. We want to create a culture of invitation. We want to invite people to worship services, to home groups, to just hanging out with other followers of Jesus Christ. And so one of the things we always want to be thinking about is, who can I take with me? Who can I take with me to church on Sunday morning? Who can I take with me to my home group? Who can I take with me to get together with these fun group of Christians as we go see a movie? Who can I take with me? And then last week we turned our attention to this. How do we receive those individuals that we encounter? We want to be radically hospitable. And by that we mean this, we want to move beyond just creating a warm, welcoming environment to actually being a people in a place where everyone, all people get to encounter genuine friendships and relationships. 
Now, I want to challenge us to be thinking about forming relationships with people who are at all different stages of faith continuum. We start to build relationships with people that don't know Jesus at all, or maybe they're just very disinterested. And we have relationships with people who kind of like Jesus, but that's as far as it goes. And then we have relationships with people who are committed to Jesus as well. And since none of us are fully formed in Jesus, we don't have to worry about that one yet. And this can be a challenge for us. It's going to take a lot of creative thought and effort, especially for those of us who don't know anyone who's not already a Christian. And so before this series is finished, I'm going to try to share with you some ideas, some suggestions, some examples of maybe how we expand our associations. Now, being a really good friend, Jesus took the time to share with his friends what would better their life. This was the art of his ministry. Listen to the words we read in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And then in Luke chapter 13, verse 22, we read, Then Jesus went through the towns and villages teaching as, his, as he made his way to Jerusalem. Sitting on a mountainside, in and from a boat, walking dusty trails, chilling around a dinner table, in synagogues, around a campfire, Jesus was constantly sharing with his friends, his disciples, truths about the world, about humanity, about the nature of God, about his plans and purposes, about how to best live life. Jesus made disciples by teaching, and so did his disciples. Philip took the time to explain Isaiah chapter 53 to an Ethiopian eunuch. That Peter shared the story of Jesus with Cornelius. Priscilla and Aquila, they took the time to share with Apollos the way of God more adequately. Paul, he held a class for Felix on righteousness, self-control, and the coming judgment. And from their examples, we begin to realize that disciples make disciples by teaching and training in the ways of Jesus. This is the next piece in our discipleship game plan. So say it with me this morning. Teach and train in the ways of Jesus. Let's try that again because I didn't hear any of you. All right, you ready? Teach and train in the ways of Jesus. Great. This morning, Jeff Dumo is going to walk us through how we're trying to put this into practice here at camp. Well, I'm so excited. I'm so excited about what we're doing to achieve the goal of teaching and training in the ways of Jesus here at Campbell. And the Holy Spirit has equipped, appointed, and even anointed many in our church family to do just that, to teach. Uh, in many ways, it starts right here every Sunday um, by my friend Sean. <laughs> Our preaching and teaching minister, Amen. giving um, inspiring messages, bringing inspiring messages to us. Yeah. You know, and I have the uh, benefit of seeing how week after week he prepares diligently to deliver an inspired message, how he takes the time to consider what God would have him share. Um, you know, and sometimes even requiring him to challenge us, boldly challenge us, convict us. 
Um, and I see how uh, he dedicates time weekly to teach the word, not just to us here Sunday, but several who've asked for him to uh, better understand scripture. And so, you know, he'll be out there in the courtyard doing personal Bible studies and teaching Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. And then how he um, thoughtfully pastors, uh, you know, the church by example teaches what love and grace looks like. So thank you, Sean. And while Sean's in the pulpit, we got Brian and Lauren Schrader, our student ministers, leading 6th through 12th grade um, in the ways of Jesus. They teach with depth Sunday morning Bible classes. They lead uh, a meetup for middle schoolers every week. And they have a hangout for high schoolers where they teach Jesus. They preach inclusion, encouraging each and every student to each and every student that they're uniquely crafted and designed by God who absolutely adores them. They spend countless hours counseling, teaching in those ways, in home, and by phone, and online, demonstrating and teaching what it means to serve and love like Jesus. Every other week, they teach Bible to the middle schoolers right here in this room for um, a bi-monthly bi chapel. Um, powerful words to some many who are unchurched and have never heard the message of Jesus. They even dedicate time to teaching the CCS faculty and staff. I don't know how many times, Brian, you guys come and, and share with, um, with all the teachers here and love in the way of Jesus to them. And what can I say about our children's ministry? Just a shout out to them, how Marion Parker develops a creative curriculum that uses art, and science, and story, and games, and service, and my favorite, puppetry. <laughs> <laughs> to open the imagination of every child to God's word. Did you know that every child, infant through fifth grade, if they start as an infant, treks through the entire Bible by the time they're out of the program, the entire Bible they go through as a part of her uh, efforts. And then there's Donna McKenzie who teaches our preschoolers. Similarly, um, she packs Jesus-centered activities for our children. Um, and she even packs a few kids, if, well, we don't have any kids here, right? They're all off to class, but she'll pack those clipboards every week. You'll see her in the, we call it the barn room. She's prepping all that so that not only kids can, our, our kids can be enthusiastic about coming Sunday morning and learn about the Word of God in a way that they can um, participate in. And then Marion teaches worship and object last lessons as she leads CCS Elementary Chapel every week. <laughs> so um, we're trying to teach in the ways of Jesus. But that's not it. Check this out. Campbell also provides teaching and inspired stories uh, via an Intersections podcast. There's Ruth Langa and uh, Pastor Hoatong and myself. And uh, we just tell stories and we, we tell people about, about Jesus via this podcast. And people are listening to it all over the world. As far as India and Japan, they're listening to our podcast. So we think that's really powerful. And Sean's, of course, sermons are there too for all to learn. Every month we publish a prayer and meditation guide to grow the prayer discipline 
And we, um, we do this with a group of prayer warriors. And you could sign up too. We call it Campbell Crew. So every month we send this out so that we can, um, we can teach prayer, teach meditation, teach focus um, on Jesus. And every week we have a variety of class communities that gather to discuss the word of God on topics such as the reliability of the Bible and various books of the Bible or on relevant topics. I know that I'm missing probably a ton of other things that we do, but this is the point. We want to make disciples. We want to see people come to Jesus like Emmy, right? <laughs> like our brother Harrison gave his life to Jesus, or brother Andy who gave it all. That's what we're all about, and that's what we're excited as we continue to teach, and we invite you with us to teach and to train in the ways of Jesus. Sean. We love it when people show up here to learn about Jesus, but really we can't wait for people to walk through our doors. And we as people must be all about doing everything we can outside of these walls to help people make the decision to trust and follow Jesus Christ. And that means that as individuals, we're going to have to take the initiative to move the conversation with family and friends and neighbors and coworkers and classmates from the typical conversation about world events and sports and all things TikTok to actually spiritual <laughs> matters. So well, how do you exactly do that? Well, one of the best ways you can do that is by asking thoughtful questions. Questions like, what do you think about spirituality? What do you think about religion? Do you believe in God? And if so, what's he like? If not, why not? What's the biggest pressure or stress that you feel in your life right now? And, and, and how are you handling that stress? Do you believe in prayer? Have you ever experienced prayer? Do you believe in right and wrong? And what do you base your morality on? Now, if you don't like any of those questions, then feel free to Google how do you start a spiritual conversation. You'll find a million questions <laughs> you can ask people to move that, that conversation towards spiritual matters. Now, here's just a quick warning. If you ask that question for the only purpose of being able to preach what you already believe, people are going to see right through that. So let me say it another way. Don't ask the question if you're not interested in the answer. Listen carefully. Ask for clarification. State what you believe is true about what they're saying. Be open to learning from the experience and insights of other people. In his book, Lost Faith, uh, just went blank on the author's name, Seth Buschel. He's a church planner in New York City. Seth shares what I believe should be our posture as we enter into spiritual conversations with people. I want you to listen to what he writes. Many people are lost in the sense that they are searching for something. They are searching for a home, for identity, for relationship, for love. They may have a feeling of emptiness and they do not know what to look for to fill it. Whatever it is, lost people are seeking. They have not discovered a way to find it. This searching quality is what makes them lost but it is also what qualifies them for discipleship. Seeking tends to make people good soil. 
When we go to preach to the lost, we go looking for those who are searching and receptive. Rather than entering as the bearers of answers to all of life's definitive questions, we often find these individuals when we too are asking questions. We identify one another when we too are seen as spiritual seekers. The lost tend to be distrustful of those who cavalierly announce, I can give you what you're seeking, and even more turned off by those who might say, let me tell you what you're looking for. But I find that nothing attracts lost people like saying, I'm seeking a similar thing. Why don't you come follow along, and maybe we'll find it together. Well, when we encounter people who are willing to seek with us, at some point we need to invite them in to a Bible study. I realize that leading a Bible study may sound intimidating to you, but there's really no reason for it to be. And one of the primary reasons is this, is because since the Bible is living and active, it has a power all of its own to bring people towards faith. There are countless stories of individuals who were atheists until they read Scripture. But once they read scripture and they discovered the story of Jesus and God's love for them, you could not keep that person away from a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so our objective eventually is to get people into the word of God reading scripture. And there are a myriad of different ways to go about a Bible study, but I want to share with you one of my favorites. It's called the Discovery Bible Study. It's a method that's been used for the past two plus decades by missionaries in the global south. And as a result, they have witnessed hundreds of thousands of people come to faith in Jesus Christ. It, it is an approach that many people in the states are now finding and using as they conduct one-on-one -on -one Bible studies with people as well. I wanna very quickly just kind of walk you through this process. And I wanna relieve you of some stress real quick. You don't have to worry about writing this down, okay? Because we're gonna give you something at the end if you want it. But here's how the Bible study works typically you're going to find two, three other people that you're gonna sit down for Bible study with once a week for one hour a week. And the Bible study begins with just basically three life questions. The first question is this, what did you experience this past week in which you're thankful for? Now the reason we ask that question is because we're trying to cultivate a spirit of gratitude. We're also trying to recognize how God's working in our life. And we also wanna celebrate with one another. The second question is simply this, what challenges are you facing in your life, in your family, or challenges that you see in the world? We ask this question because we want to support one another and we want to spend time praying for one another. The third question is simply this, how did you obey, how did you live out what we talked about in our session last week? Now obviously the primary reason for asking this question is because we're not just here to gain a lot of head knowledge. We actually want what we're studying to change our lives. And so we're going to ask those three questions to begin with, but then we're going to get into scripture. And so you're going to pick out a text. Maybe you decide as a group you're going to go through 2 Corinthians. So you start in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and you begin reading a, a section. And you just read that section together. One person reads it all. When they finish, a second person is going to come back. They're going to read this text again. When that person is finished, a third person is going to summarize. So we want to hear it from different voices, and then we're going to have somebody summarize it. We're going to pay attention to what's going on in the text. And we're going to ask four questions. First question is this, what does this text teach me about God? The second question is this, what does this text teach me about people? 
The third question is simply this, how am I going to apply what this text is teaching to my life? Okay? And then, I just went blank on question number four, and so let me find it real quick for you. Who can I share this teaching with? And that's an important question because we're disciples making disciples, right? And so we hope they'll go back someplace and share what they've just learned in our Bible study together. And then finally, we're going to wrap it all up with this particular question. How can we help one another live out the challenges that have been shared in this particular Bible study? Now, as I said, we've prepared this for you on the back table. You'll find a bookmark on one side. It has all the questions. On the back side, it has an eight-week Bible study uh, series you can go through just on discipleship. It gives you the text. You can read the text. You can find the questions on the other side of the bookmark. Now, here's my hope for today. Call me a dreamer, but here's my hope for today. Is that several of you will make the decision, I can do that. I really think I can do that. That doesn't sound hard. And you're going to find two or three other people, and you're going to agree to meet together once a week uh, for one hour a week and just commit to eight weeks together. Maybe you're thinking, I only know Christians. Fine, start with Christians. But one of your prayers is going to be this. We're going to pray together as a group who we can invite from our neighborhood, from our workplace, uh, friends, family, classmates to come join us to be a part of this Bible class. Now, if you decide to do that, please let me know, because I want to be praying about that with you. But I have seen powerful things take place in the lives of people who have uh, just taken a chance and gotten into this type of Bible study uh, method. And so think about doing that. Now, some of you may want to go bigger and bold. So let me tell you about a couple of guys from previous churches who made that decision. One's Rob. Rob's an avid golfer. Loves to golf. Golf's just about every single Saturday. But he not only loves golf, he also loves the guys that he golfs with. I mean, he just treasures these guys. And he realized, these are my friends. This is my community. And what I want for them is for them to know Jesus the way I do. And so Rob made this decision at one point. He said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to find space in the golf clubhouse and I'm going to host a Bible study one hour before our tea time every single Saturday. And so that's what Rob did. And for several weeks, he hosted a Bible study right there at the golf course for guys that he golfed with. I'll tell you about Matt. Matt is in the financial services industry. He loves his coworkers and he loves his clients. And because he loves them, he thought, I'm going to share the thing that is most valuable and important in my life. And that's a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so here's what Matt did. He decided to just reserve one of the office conference rooms once a week at lunch and host a Bible study for anyone who was interested. Now, many of the individuals who came to both of these Bible studies, they were already followers of Jesus Christ. But there were also people who were just interested. And so they would stop by, they would show up, and they would hear the story of Jesus. And there were people who came to faith in Jesus Christ because those two guys said, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm a disciple who wants to make disciples. Now, if you have an interest in doing something like that, but you're not really sure, well, I don't know what I'd do or how I'd start or whatever it is, let me know. I'd be happy to walk with you. There are a lot of great resources, a lot of great training material, but really it just takes a willingness on your part to say, you know what, I'm gonna take a risk, I'm gonna show up, I'm gonna advertise this or make it known, we're going to get into the Word of God. 
And so think about doing that. Now, please keep this in mind. Our ability to teach hinges on our dedication to being a student. You can only teach what you know. And even Jesus, first and foremost, was a student. John chapter 5, verse 19. Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. If you're not in the regular habit of spending time in Scripture, being a student, I want to encourage you to begin to develop that habit. If we're going to disciple people, it's going to require more of us than just showing up on Sunday morning for one or two hours. We've got to take seriously being in the Word of God. And this is absolutely essential. Study after study reveals that just simply going to a, a worship service or showing up for a Bible class, that's not what brings about deep transformation. Now, those are important. They can benefit you. But it doesn't do as nearly as much benefit as actually spending time on your own in the study of God's Word. Now again, for some of you here this morning, this may be new to you, maybe you're not sure how I do it, or maybe you've started, you got into Genesis and it went great, and then you got into Leviticus and you said, that's enough of that, and I'll read something else, and you just gave it up. Or you, you read it and you're like, this doesn't make sense to me, I don't get anything out of it. And so again, a lot of different ways of going about this, but I'm gonna share with you one method that I've been using for the past several months, and I've found it to be life-giving. It's called the SOAP Bible Study Method. And SOAP is an acrostic, obviously. And so S stands for scripture, O stands for observation, A stands for application, P stands for prayer. And so again, you're just gonna pick out a text that you wanna read. Again, let's say it's 2 Corinthians. You begin reading chapter one, verse one. You're going to keep reading until there is a portion of scripture that just really grabs your heart and your attention. And when it does, I want you to stop right there. Just stop right there and write out the scripture word for word. We write it out because by writing it out, we begin to internalize it and it becomes more part of us. And so you write out the scripture. Then you go to, oh, observation. You're just going to make some observations. Who's talking to who? What's the context? How does this fit into the theme of God? What's the main point of this scripture? What's really being said in this text? Observations. A stands for application. Application, how am I going to apply what I've just learned to my life? Again, absolutely key. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke chapter 11, verse 28. Blessed, brother, are those who hear the word of God and obey it. It's so easy to think that hearing is enough. And so often we come and we just listen to teaching and we think, I am a great student. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. The real blessing comes when you hear it, but then you do it. Otherwise, you just miss out. Otherwise, you just get a lot of head knowledge. We're after more. We're after our lives being transformed by Jesus Christ. Why? Because we like Jesus. We're committed to Jesus, but we want to be fully formed in Jesus Christ. And so we want to live this stuff out. And then finally, you just write out a short prayer in response to what you read. Now, to show you how easy this is, I'm going to share with you an example from my journal. Uh, if that would go up on the screen. Do we have that picture? I think I missed it. Missed that picture. Okay. Well, I brought a backup just in case. <laughs> All right. So I'll just share with you one journal entry. This was back from October 7th of 21. 
It was my scripture. St. Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 grabbed my heart that morning. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Start to make some observations. The key to abundance is generosity. This applies to finances, but all things. Plant what you want to grow. This is the rule and work of God. As I started thinking about that, I thought, what's the application? And this was the application laid on my heart. Increase your financial giving by $100 a month. And it wasn't too many days later I got an email from a missionary that I just, I have the utmost respect for. I know Philip, Philip is the closest thing to Apostle Paul that I've ever met in my life. At some point I'd love to tell you more of his story. He's from India, he's working in Dubai. He, he's an amazing man helping ministers to plant churches in the Middle East. But one of his works is this, he has started an orphanage in a school for kids in India that they're helping rescue out of the slave, sex slave industry. They're putting them into the home, educating them. It's one of the only places where they can be educated in Christianity, not Hinduism. And he just sent an appeal saying, for $100 a month, you can sponsor a child, they can eat, they can have shelter, they can learn about Jesus, you can be educated. That's it. And so my, my, my prayer at the end of that was simply that, uh, I forgot exactly how I phrased it, but essentially, God, help me to trust you because there's no possible way I can outgive you. And so hopefully have an abundance mindset. Mm. Now again, that's, that's just one method. Everybody, there are so many different methods. If you like, I don't like that one, that's fine. Ask another minister on staff, ask an elder, Ask their spouses, ask somebody around you. There's so many different ways to going about this. But being in the living, active Word of God will begin to change your life. And a changed life creates curiosity, doesn't it? Let me give you an example. Let's say six months from now, I walk in on a Sunday morning and I'm wearing a short sleeve t-shirt. And your first thought is, what in the world? Smith never wears a short sleeve t-shirt, or at least hardly ever. And especially not one that's that tight. <laughs> but then you look closer and you realize that my biceps look like 15 pound bowling balls. <laughs> and not only that, but this t-shirt's so tight, you can tell I've got rock solid pecs and six pack abs. <laughs> so what are you gonna be thinking or what's going through your mind? Well, here's what you're not gonna do. You're not gonna lust because that would be wrong, okay? So you're not gonna do that, I trust that. But you're gonna be curious. You're gonna be like, what is going on? I gotta find out. You're gonna come up to me and you're gonna say, Smith, how did you go from having the physique of a 10-year-old girl to looking like John Cena's twin, right? You're gonna wanna know this. Now, not everybody will wanna know this, but I bet Brian Trader will. Brian Trader will wanna know this. And in that moment, I'll have the opportunity to teach Brian. I'm going to get to teach Brian about proper nutrition. I'm going to get to talk about how to pump iron. And I'm going to get to talk about how to inject steroids. Because it's the only way, only way Brian or I will ever grow man muscles, right? So that's the only way. But 
here's the point. When our lives begin to change in a way that other people want their lives to change, they get curious. They start to ask questions. Hey, I, I don't get it. Everybody's freaking out about what's going on in Ukraine and Russia. And you just seem to have this sense of calm about you. How, what's going on there? Everybody's so stressed out and they, they don't seem to have much joy because the economy's going crazy, afflictions through the roof, they're nervous, but you, you're just happy all the time. You know what? That's crazy. I, I remember when you used to be like everybody else, but now you're full of joy. Hey, I've noticed lately that you've just taken this thing when we go out, you, you order just water. You've gotten sober, haven't you? How'd that happen? I've noticed that you don't talk the way you used to about your spouse. It seems like you've got a thriving marriage all of a sudden. What, how did that come about? And you never gripe about your kids anymore. They seem to be the delight of your life. But can you tell me more about that? And in those moments, in those moments, we get to talk about the power and the presence of Jesus in our lives, what he's doing in us. We get to tell people there's something I've been reading that's changing my life. And it's really about the person that it's written about that's changed my life. And so as we wrap this up, I want to tell you a little bit of Eden's story. Uh, many of you have met Eden. She started coming to Campbell with her boyfriend, Shaheen, several months ago. And growing up in a home that was not particularly religious, Eden didn't give a lot of thought to God until Shaheen started checking out Christianity. And even then, she wasn't all that interested in the topic. But then something happened. She began to witness Shaheen's character change in a significant way. And it convinced her that there might, there just might be something to what he was reading in the Bible. So she began to read scripture. But being from a Jewish family, it was hard for her to really trust the story of Jesus. Was Jesus truly who he claimed to be? And then she started to read the Old Testament. And she started to see Jesus in the Old Testament. And that's when she became absolutely convinced that Jesus Christ is who he claims to be, that he is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah. And Eden has fallen in love with Jesus. And this is not easy for her. Because her family is not fully supportive of her being a follower of Jesus Christ. In fact, they've made it clear that as long as you live under our roof, we don't want you to fully commit to Christianity. And yet Eden, she continues to do her best to show love and respect to her family while at the same time pursuing a relationship with Christ. She keeps a copy of the Bible in her car. She attends Warren's Women's Bible Study Group. Uh, Shaheen and Eden and I get together once a week for Bible study, and she comes as often as she possibly can to worship with us. In fact, Eden's sitting in the back bleachers right now. You just want to wave, Eden. <laughs> and we are so thankful for Eden. Amen. And she emphasized to me as we talked about this, I don't want anybody to view my family as the villains. She loves her family. And because she loves her family, she wants them to know Jesus Christ more than anything else. And this is what Eden does. She shares her faith. 
she's a disciple who wants to make disciples and so she talks to her family and she talks to her friends and she talks to her co-workers at REI about Jesus because she wants them to know him as well. See, similar to what I said about, or what is said about Jesus in Luke chapter 13, may it be said about every one of us, as they went about their life, they taught. They taught. If you're here this morning and you're kind of checking out Jesus and you're not really sure what you believe about him, I just want to say welcome. We are so very, very glad that you're here. Uh, we love when people journey with us to discover who this guy is and what he's doing in our world. If you're here this morning, you might be interested in sitting down and reading scripture and just studying the Bible. I'd love to have a conversation with you. I, I just want to assure you, we want to do our best to create a, a very safe environment in which you can express doubt, which you can ask questions, in which you can push back and say, I don't really buy that at all, in which you can truly seek out what you believe in regards to God and Jesus Christ. And so if you'd be interested in that, please, please let me know. Also, as we close, I just want to recognize that aren't we blessed to have a space like this when we get moved out of a regular facility, we can come more than here. I am continually thankful for the partnership that we share with Campbell Christian Schools. It is a mutual blessing between the church and the school. Uh, and thankful to them this morning for allowing us to use their space. But I also want to recognize that it took a lot of time and effort to get this space put together for this morning. And so I really want to thank the team who was involved in that. I won't name everybody by name, uh, but there were several people who worked many hours yesterday so that we could come in and worship together. And so I just want to appreciate them and say thank you so much for all that you do to make this a place and a space where we can come and worship together as a family of God. It is great to be with you this morning. It's great to see your face, your smile. For those of you I can't see your smiles, it's great to see your eyes and your forehead. Uh, it is just great to be together. As Bob said, we're gonna continue to love each other just as well as we possibly can.